All of the podcasts here at the Sideshow Network are now with the touch of a button on your iPhone and iPad. With the new Sideshow Network app, tune into all your favorite podcasts here at the Sideshow Network. Go to iTunes App Store, search for Sideshow Network, and download our free app to stream all of your favorite Sideshow Network podcasts at any time you want. The top comedians in the world are at your fingertips with the Sideshow Network app for iPhone and iPad. So, welcome everybody to another installment of Innovation Crush. Robert wouldn't normally do an echo right there. You want to do an echo, Diana? Innovation echo, Crush? Echo, echo, no, echo. Innovation Crush Echo. Then, well, you'll get it next time. Um, I am Chris Denson. Uh, Diana Williams is my lovely guest co-host. Um, you want to tell them a little bit about yourself, Diana, so people know who's who they're listening to? From time to time, at least during the <laughs> during the show, a couple of giggles here and there. Uh, I'm a producer based here in Los Angeles. I'm working under a heavy NDA with a big IP coming soon to a, a fifty thousand page NDA, NDA is what yes, what we were told. Yes, yes. Um, so this series, again, if you don't know, uh, now you know. It is uh, focused on innovation and marketing products. Um, just really good ideas that are out in the marketplace or processes behind them. And today. I have a lovely guest by the name of Allison Arling. Say hello, Allison. Hi. Now, I notice you have a hyphenated name on LinkedIn. Do you go by the hyphenated name or the, the, the maiden name? Uh, well, technically, the hyphenated name, that's what's legal. But um, business-wise, Allison Arling will do just fine. Got it. T- two A's. That's awesome. Two uh, A's. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of two A's, uh, I, I, you know, I'm going to save that really interesting segue I just came up with for later. Um, but let's start off. Just tell me a little bit about um, who you are, and, and uh, you work for a company called the Intelligence Group, if I if I'm correct. Um, but you know, feel free to correct me and and, and tell us yourself. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, so yeah, I work for the Intelligence Group. I'm senior director of strategy. And uh, we are owned by Creative Artists Agency, if you're familiar. Little old talent agency. That's where my AA joke was going to come in. It was two. Oh, sorry. C-A-A and C-A-A? Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, what the intelligence group does is we study youth culture and we use trends um, and – Essentially, we conduct research and we put that into context with trends and insights and we help translate how those cultural shifts are impacting brands and how they need to adjust their marketing strategy, sometimes even their product development cycle and their internal structure to better respond to what today's consumers want, which is very, very different than previous uh, generations. So we do a lot of different things under that umbrella. We publish the Cassandra Report, which... Many people know us as the Cassandra Company. That's why. Uh, that's why I was like, wait, which you know, I didn't know. Do I do intelligence group or do I say Cassandra or do I just say CAA? Like, but uh, so yeah. So the Cassandra Report. Um, you were you were saying? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So the Cassandra Report's been around for I guess it's going on 16 years now, as long as the intelligence group has been around. But the Cassandra Report is a quarterly study that we put out at the intelligence group. Um, it's both quantitative and qualitative research, looking at young people and 
what's happening in the marketplace. And we always have a special focus. So we'll do issues that are focused specifically on innovation, or we'll look into um, the digital space. We've looked into social consciousness, which is really fascinating because that's obviously a huge part of this current generation, future generation um, Z, which are under 17 year olds. And we're really excited because we're actually just finalizing uh, an issue that's going to deal with gender, uh, which I feel like is something we've heard a lot of chatter about. And a lot of our clients are really excited to see uh, what's changing in culture when you're looking at dating, family structure, what does it look like to be in a relationship? What is the etiquette now with social media? Uh, so kind of looking at the male, female gender roles and how that is being looked at now. And again, how that'll uh, impact brands. So it should be pretty fascinating. That is, um, that's a, yeah, that's a brainful, like literally, <laughs> I, I don't even know where to go with like, I'm, I'm usually pretty good at these. And now I'm like, what, well, what do I ask now? Um, I, and that was just the, the very quick, you know, 30 second elevator pitch. There's much more. <laughs> so, so how many, like how many, how big is your team? Like how many people does it take to have, to develop that breadth of insight? Well, that is always the million dollar question. So we have a pretty small team. Actually, we have about 25 people with the intelligence group that work full time, um, on all of our internal projects. So that includes the Cassandra report, which is pretty much the foundation of everything right. we do. Um, but we also do a number of other things as well, which we could talk about at more length, whether it's presentations or consulting or research um, for clients. But yeah, we have about 25 people on the team. We have a core team of a few ladies. Um, and we have someone, her name is Barbara Kulan, who's actually been the person in charge of the development of the Cassandra report since day one. So she is like a walking library of everything we've ever written about. She should be a um, marketing Jeopardy or something. Like I, I she, think she should be. I think she'd be really fantastic, actually. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Barbara has a team of a couple other, you know, core writers and trend analysts and editors who put together the report. But it's it also is pretty collaborative. We all are talking about what's happening and we're tossing around ideas and we have brainstorms. But um Really, there's a, there's a core group that is probably about three or four that really get it get it out every couple months. So that's great. So in, yeah, a lot of the the marketing tactics that brands employ or entertainment properties employ are kind of based on human behavior, right? How how important is this is kind of a ridiculous question, but how important is it to talk to real people? Because this, this is kind of like the underpinning you don't really hear about too often. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, it's so important to talk to real people. I mean, one of the the biggest key components of putting together the Cassandra report is talking to consumers and talking to them face to face and having conversations. Um, obviously, there's a lot of work that gets done on the research side and from the trend side of seeing what's happening um, just in every different industry and putting the pieces together. But we actually have made it a core part of our business to develop uh, a community of consumers that fall within, by and large, the 14 to 34-year-old age bracket, although we're aging older and younger um, with every day that passes just on the needs of our clients. But we actually have um, a fantastic woman on staff. Her name is Jillian Hertzman, who's been running our community for about 10 years and has developed like a Facebook-type environment that they built from the ground up where we are communicating with consumers on a regular basis uh, for not only our client studies, but for our Cassandra report studies and having weekly conversations that happen there. Um, but regular, regularly, our, our core team 
uh, including Jelly and a number of other people, uh, go out to cities around the United States and actually talk to people on the street, go to where young people hang out, interview them, have them fill out questionnaires, screeners, take video, uh, take pictures, and just you guys have try to. Do you guys try to dress the part when you're going out and, and <laughs> going, to, going to the arcade and like you have your head on backwards and uh, bag of jeans? <laughs> I would to see anyone from IG in like a full suit or like business casual out on the street anyway. But uh, yeah, we all look the part, definitely. Um, but yeah, they, they do. And uh, yeah, they always come back with a lot of great energy and a lot of great responses. And they really get a good chance on those trips to have their finger on the pulse of what's happening on the street. And then we have our regular conversations with our community. So we're always talking to consumers. That's essential to what we do. And it's, I mean, I, I would imagine, right, this is probably the busiest, you know, marketing operation I can think of just because, especially now, at the rate, you know, technology is accelerating and the way people are interacting with products and people and places and things and discovery points and so on and so forth. People are probably evolving at a, you know, at a faster rate. Um, so, you know, how do you, how do you keep up and get the information out soon enough that it's utilized and hasn't changed, right? Like, right. 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 Yeah. Um, that's a great question. So thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Um, you know, that's something that we wrestle with all the time because we are definitely living in a real time world and the pace is increasing every single day. And frankly, for a lot of our clients, for a lot of businesses, they're still trying to wrap their heads around how do they shift and change and evolve their internal practices to meet this new demand. Um, and you know, we're, we're no different. So for us, we are actually launching a digital um, version of our report here. Oh gosh, we're actually having our digital issue that's coming out at the end of the year. And we're tentatively plan to launch our digital initiative along with that. That'll give people more real-time insights of what's happening um, in an easy-to-digest format. But really, for us, currently, uh, we're talking to our clients on a regular basis as well. So it's not uncommon for someone to call us and ask us questions about something they saw passing in the news or they read on a blog and kind of get our real-time take. But we're also providing outreach as well. I mean, that's more common for us where we're saying, here's a really fascinating article and there's some context and research behind it that we've started to, to capture and started to kind of think about and send that along to our clients with some real tangible recommendations for them. So we're doing that on a regular basis and having conversations and presenting our con- um, our content at presentations and like public presentations and webinars and things like that. So we definitely do our best to get everything out in real time. We're consistently trying to, to work on that, but it's, I mean, it's, Everything's changing so quickly. So, so. What, what, I mean, where are you guys right now? Is it kind of, are you like plus or minus six months? Like, where do you feel like, all right, the, your sweet spot is for accuracy? I, I, and then I have a, a really good follow-up question for that. <laughs> okay. Well, for us, I mean, even though our report comes out on a quarterly basis, we're always looking at what's happening, you know, six months to a year or two in advance. So we're looking at these large cultural shifts that have a longer shelf life. So even though we're getting them out, we're, we're publishing this pretty hefty report every three months, guaranteed that we're looking at, we're about six months in advance of something hitting mainstream. And we have countless different, you know, cultural shifts that we've reported on that we have evidence of, okay, now it's, it's hit big. Like we were talking about something called life gaming 
back in, I think it was like 2007 or 2008. And I want to say 2011 was like the year of gamification as a buzzword, right? But we had already been reporting on it two years in advance. Now, we can't necessarily do a two-year forecast because, as you said, things are moving pretty quickly. Right. Um, but our we have a Cassandra Daily, which is a da- daily free newsletter as well. We're publishing things on a daily basis that are more micro trends, but give that more real-time sensibility. I love that thing, by the way. It makes me sound really smart on Twitter. I love it. Well, you know what we always say? If, if you don't use it, if you just need, if you don't read it regularly, if you need those kind of cocktail points at a cocktail party where you can be like, oh, did you hear about this really cool thing? Cassandra Daly's great for that, too. Right. <laughs> it's a good cheat for, for impressing chicks when I'm out. Right. Uh, so, so sort of the, the follow-up to the previous question, um, you guys have been at this for about 15, 16 years, right? You said Yes. What what hasn't changed, right? Like, you know, we, we talk a lot about like, oh, the, we got to keep up. We have to, you know, we have to do these things. But I think at the core, right, there is a set of experiences that are universal. Um, so huh. in, in that, in, in the 15 years, it, I don't know how long you've been with, you know, with the company, but um, what hasn't changed? What, what are some things that are still, still the same? Well, I think there are definitely some generational characteristics, some inherent traits that generations have that remain consistent so that we could point to different examples of something that we consider really innovative today, but at its core is there's that common element where you're like, oh, well, there's a common thread here. So like we talk about Generation Y and their need for being uh, part of a group and collaboration. And because they were raised in groups, that's the reason that social media has become so popular, right? When social media came out, it was like, oh my gosh, it's the latest and greatest thing. But all you have to look back to is, well, Gen Y's grown up in groups from the time that they were born. Now technology's just facilitated a way for them to interact with groups, right? right? So there's certain things like that that remain consistent. There's obviously just new evolutions of it. But there's also always been this need for human interaction, um, more experiential opportunities. I don't think that's changed at all. Um, I've been with the intelligence group about four years and just when you think you've seen it all and there's always something new that's coming out, um, you know, you can still go back to, well, people want to have those surprise and delight moments. They want to have experiences. They want to be able to come together and form an emotional connection or relationship with someone. And now there's just new technologies and new digital outlets for them to do that in an easier, more seamless way. So yeah, I think those things are going to remain consistent, not only with Gen Y as they begin to grow older, but as we're looking at Generation Z under 17, they may be very, very different from generation wise. We're starting to see, but there are certain core things like that need for experience and relationships and emotional connections that still remain the same, even with them. That's great. Um, you know, and I also look at stuff like, um, the, this whole idea that, uh, entertainment is kind of, a lot of people talk about like, Oh, we, you know, when they're trying to solve a problem from an entertainment perspective, they're like, we need to monetize. And how do we monetize advertisers? And then you try to create this thread, but it, and it's, there's all almost always this constant, um, reinventing of the wheel when kind of like what you're saying is you go back to radio, you know, that was a platform for sponsorship. Like it, most entertainment platforms have always been sponsor supported. Um, but you'll, you'll find that a lot of times because there's so many different platforms now, it, people almost have to re like the, it's, it, it's almost a mistake to reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, how do you guys advise your clients on, on those sorts of things? Like this, this isn't new really. It's just a new way of doing it. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that goes back to, as I said, you know, one of the biggest parts of our business is we're obviously reporting on cultural shifts and trends and what's happening and what's new and next. But what we always try to ground our clients in is that uh, core set of generational characteristics so that essentially they have a measure or a filter when they're making decisions. Because frankly, with all that's new and developing out there, it can be really easy, as you said, to feel like you have to constantly reinvent the wheel or constantly um, invest in that new technology or that new app or whatever it might be because that's what's new, right? And you need to be on that bandwagon. But frankly, if it's not going to matter or it's not going to move the dial for your business because it just doesn't make sense for what your core audience wants or your brand stands for, it's probably not a good idea. So for us, it's always we say teaching our clients to fish. <laughs> we try to provide them with a really strong consumer filter and um, and ground everything in that consumer insights and tie it back to those key traits that we know are tried and true and won't change and measure these new technologies against it. That's great. Um, and and then just a lo- you know along those lines, how. Um I guess I mean you guys are always in the in the faces of individuals. Just for, in terms of innovation, which is a point you mentioned earlier, um, I guess when you talk about innovation, what sorts of trends are you seeing that are really awesome? Like you know, the show is called Innovation Crush, and we really look at like, hey, what you know, what's out there that's really awesome, um, right. and what. So, what are some things that you see that that people should know about, really? Uh, Wow. So, I mean, there's a lot of different directions we can go in with this because I think when we, you think about the word innovation, it means something different to a lot of different people. For us, we always think of innovation as, and kind of the saying we've been using for a while now is the idea of brands um, and marketers operating in the culture rather than their category. It's going beyond what's been done for years and years and years in their business and starting to actually put the consumer at the center of things and try new and different things because they're culturally relevant. So when we talk about that, it's, you know, looking at examples of, uh, first thing that comes to my mind is a brand like Ikea. Whether you love or you hate Ikea, I don't know anyone who hates it, frankly, <laughs> but... I do. No, I'm, I'm kidding. You do? Well, no, I don't no. <laughs> want to put all those pieces together, but... Exactly. Um, For a brand like Ikea, I mean, they're a retailer. They sell inexpensive furniture that's accessible to mass, right? But what they've really done a good job of is keeping themselves fresh and relevant. I mean, you know, you're always reading articles about they've now got a dog parking system. So if you want to bring your dog in the city shopping and you want to be able to tie them out outside, there's like a little piece of grass and there's water bowls and things for the dogs to do. It's almost like a babysitting thing. And also they have Amanda Bynes' garbage can there, just in case. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Just in case. Oh, oh no, no. Uh, <laughs> and I love, too, that they have Manland. Uh, I know my husband would love that, you know, going to... And Ikea, and just like you can drop off your children, you can drop off your husband's, and there's like Xbox and couches. And is there, I, now that I didn't know. When did that happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's here in the States yet, but they're experimenting with this whole concept of the man. So Manland is not in America, basically. No, yeah, not If really. I want to be manly, I have to be in, in Europe somewhere. I have to go Sweden. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, a brand like that that's doing something innovative. You could also look at the retail space and point to a brand like Burberry, who has been so interesting with thinking about digital first. Again, a retailer who could very well just stay with the status quo, 
but they redesigned their whole flagship store to think about digital first. So if people are sitting at home and online shopping, what would that experience look like and how do we bring that in store? Uh, so kind of thinking how a consumer thinks about digital, right. that's really smart. Um, and thinking about storytelling as well. So uh, I, I have to drop this name because I think it's just so amazing. Please drop it. Here we go. <laughs> if you don't know who Rachel Sheckman is, she is phenomenal. She has a concept in New York actually called Story. And she looks at retail. I'm on a retail kick, but I want to talk about entertainment as well. Uh, but she has this whole new concept of what retail is like where she thinks it's much more like uh, a magazine. There's editorial, there's sponsor, there's ads, but there's an experience to it. So she will curate a different store theme every six to eight weeks, and everything in that that space will have something to do with that theme, and she'll host discussions, and there actually will be sponsors, and um, it's new, and it's fresh, and exciting, and no one else is doing that in the retail space. So, for instance, she did a story that was making things, and she had GE sponsor it. They had laser cutters, 3D printers, and it was all about DIY projects, and they had speakers who were uh, all about innovation and technology coming in and speaking to people about um, you know, entrepreneurship and making things with their hands, and it just created a whole conversation. Uh, so I think reimagining what it means to be in a certain industry but then you also look at the entertainment space, and I think now we obviously have so many more content distributors. You're looking at Netflix or YouTube and all of this original content that's coming out of that, and it's starting to you know, scare the tried-and-true um, networks and, and studios out there uh, because not only are they now developing content, but they're being innovative in the sense that they're inviting people into the process. You think about Netflix originals, that is so innovative for them to say, all right, we're going to put out our 13 pilots and we actually want our audience to decide what is going to go into production. Are you a, fa- are you a fan of Orange is the New Black? And, and Diana as well. Have you seen it? I have not seen it yet. I can get. Uh, Neither one of you have seen Orange is the New Black? Because I want to sit down and I want to binge watch it. So I have to find that period of time in the week of a work week not the weekend and watch the whole thing. So do you find like, so that's actually kind of a good point, right? Like where you made a good point where Netflix and Hulu are kind of designing series for binge viewing. Right. Uh, and sometimes people need the bite-sized version, right? Where you go, I, I do want to watch Scandal, for instance, every Thursday. Like I do want that kind of experience uh, in my viewing habits. Do you, I mean, do you find Well, but the good thing about the way Scandal is are coming out every week is that they're also engaging the consumer and the audience to have a conversation online, to be on right. Twitter. Huh? And so that's what happens with every week, which is with binge viewing, like you watch and you're like, oh my God, I need to talk to somebody right now and who's watching it. And that's <laughs> the only issue I find with binge watching. Right. Right. Yeah. We actually talk about that whole binge viewing new way of consuming entertainment. And we actually see a lot of consumers that are, first of all, cutting the cord and don't even have a regular television. So they're using Apple TV or using other devices. I mean, I've even heard some of our consumers say, I put a piece of art on my TV screen because it just doesn't, I don't use it anymore. (laughs) And wow. um, But I know it's, I know my I haven't gone that far yet. CAA would be upset to hear that. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, don't worry, know, we'll edit that part out. Yeah, edit that Not out. Really. <laughs> um, but they actually are saying, you know, I'm making appointments on my Saturday to spend three hours catching up on a show or to spend a weekend watching that series on Netflix so I can sit down and just digest it all in once. And because there's almost like this new guilt associated with it. But I mean, that's a whole other 
story. No, but you're right. It's like, it's almost like, oh, if I didn't see it, if I didn't do it, you know, I almost feel like I, I was thinking this morning, I was like, I feel guilty when I don't tweet. And I'm not like a heavy Twitter user, you know, I have, you know, over a thousand followers. I'm doing okay. But, um, but I, I almost like I, this morning, I was like, I really don't have anything to tweet about, but I, I feel, I feel this pressure. And I feel like, you know, that happens in entertainment viewing. Like I, you know, I, I'm not ashamed to admit I have, I've probably watched half an episode of Breaking Bad. But it's all. It's, see, see. There's the shame. There's the shame. We identify that as the debt crisis at the intelligence group, and it's not monetary debt. It's the debt we have now to the entertainment that we should be watching, to the things we should be doing on social media. I mean, think of how many times you start an email with "I'm sorry for the delay," and it's been like 24 hours. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I, I managed a team. Exactly. No, I managed a team, and, I, and one of the things I used to say is try to avoid a situation where you have to start an email by saying I'm sorry right, right. but you're right but it but you said like you said it's 24 hours that's a that's a little bit of right. a, a little bit of what do you call it debt debt crisis debt the debt crisis well the other thing i think is fascinating too is this whole relationship debt and i probably sound like a really evil person saying this but i think we can all agree that when you are finished with like high school there are certain relationships that you can kind of let go of right like you kind of streamline your friend group, you move on to college, the same thing happens after college, when you become an adult, when you leave jobs, you can kind of find that core group of friends. But now with social media, we're in touch with every person we've ever met, if we've only met them for like 30 minutes, and you feel like a need to keep in touch with all of them. So like, there's, yeah, happy birthday. Uh, like, I don't, I don't know you. Yeah, so there's a relationship debt there too. I mean, so there's just debt on so many more levels now than I think any generation before has ever had to deal with. Right. Well, but the flip side is, right, you know, when you look at social media and that sort of thing, you mm-hmm. know, the other part of the guilt is I don't keep in touch. I don't, you know, right. I, I don't check in on certain people. I don't have time to make the phone call or to write the letter, like, you know, just kind of speaking a few years ago. But mm-hmm. now it's kind of like, oh, I can at least acknowledge this person because I feel like social media and, and most of, most, interaction with an audience, whether it's peer to peer or brand to, you know, consumer or entertainment property to, you know, consumer. Um, it is this constant need to acknowledge, right. And like pat people on the back and say, you're doing a good job and I see you and I recognize you and I can say, Oh, I do remember Johnny from high school. He just had, you know, he just had a baby. Like that also makes me feel better than, than if I don't like, I have a, I have a brother who lives in New Mexico and he's an artist. And I hardly talk to the guy. Uh, shout out to my brother. But um, he, you know, I but I can repost his artwork. I can talk about him and share his stuff with my friends. So it, it also I think there's a there's a flip side to the whole guilt piece of it. This also makes it a little socially lazy as well. It is. No, it's, it, but it's, it's a Band-Aid, right? It, it, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't replace human interaction. It doesn't replace a phone call. It is kind of it, it may bridge the gap between the two. You know, uh, mm-hmm. but you tell me if I'm right. You're the you're the intelligence person. I'm I'm the <laughs> I'm the anti. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I think I think there are definitely two sides to that coin. I mean, I think there is a, a overwhelming guilt, as I said, with people feeling like they always need to keep up with what's happening and keep up with their friends and over communicate things and be on a twenty eight seven timetable rather than twenty four seven. But I also do think you're right. It does provide us a luxury because we are able to keep relationships that wouldn't have been possible in the past. And frankly, you know, we also can look at what people are doing on social media and feel like we're up to date with what's happening, even if the conversation didn't occur. You're still part of that conversation in some way, even if that's it's just on- plain nosy. It is. But, you know, a lot of 
talk about Facebook stalking. I'm not saying I do it, but <laughs> lot of our consumers talk about it. No, it's it. always weird when you show up at a party and somebody's like, oh, so how was the beach? And you're like, wait, oh, you, you forgot <laughs> you posted it. <laughs> you're like, hey, what are you doing? Well, even I mean, even to the point of, you know, there are there, there was that crime ring who was like monitoring social media posts to know when people weren't home. That's you know? just yeah. Yeah. You those horror stories. Were you guys part of that whole thing at all? Uh, not that <laughs> <before> at all. <laughs> so, um, quickly, not quickly, but uh, just kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, how did the relationship with CAA come about? And, you know, that's on the surface, it seems like an unlikely pairing. But uh, I would love to just hear a little bit about how that relationship came to be and, and what exactly it is. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, a woman named Jane Buckingham started the company, uh, and about 10 years ago, and by the way, this totally precedes me, so this is what I know about it. Uh, about 10 years ago, it was purchased by Creative Artists Agency, and we became a wholly owned subsidiary. And yeah, it does seem like a little bit of a pairing where you'd be like, how does that really work? But for us, it's worked out really nicely because we obviously can provide consumer insights and research to people within the agency in various departments, kind of help be another tool in their tool belt of what's happening in pop culture, who's emerging, what's relevant. Uh, we can also do research if ever needed for specific clients. But we also benefit a lot from the relationship as well because we're getting that inside scoop of what's happening in the entertainment space and get introduced to a lot of um, a lot of different people and a lot of different clients and technologies that we wouldn't be otherwise. So there's a lot of synergy there. Uh, and the relationship continues to evolve, every, you know, every day with every passing year, and it's been great. That's really cool. Um, and and then, I mean, you kind of touched on something with entertainment and technology, because you know, right a few miles from the CAA office is Silicon Beach. You uh-huh. know, um, how involved are you guys with the marriages, right, of technology and entertainment? Because there's so many platforms there's so many distribution points there's the you, you mentioned gaming and you know the xbox and manland like i mm-hmm. might not go and play call of duty i might just go watch uh orange is the new black um right. <laughs> so so you know how how involved are you guys in that and adhering those two worlds we're becoming, I would say, more involved. Uh, so for us, when we are looking, we're kind of taking that step back and looking at what's happening culturally. Uh, when we're looking at these overarching themes and identifying those, you start to see examples emerge, whether it's new apps or new startup companies or subscription services or just new innovators in this in the space that we're looking at. So we always try to reach out and talk to people and um and start conversations and make introductions. So a lot of times what happens is we, we put together these trend school events that happen when we put out a new report and it's essentially our way of bringing our research and insights to life in a full day format. We'll bring in speakers, panelists. Uh, we always bring in a consumer panel and we make it really fun. So we have everything from app list to web list, music list. Uh, and it's a great way of connecting people and clients. And uh, we oftentimes will bring in people from Silicon Beach who are doing something interesting that relates to some of our trends and bring them in and have conversations and make those introductions to clients. In addition to introductions to the agency itself or the other way around, sometimes we are having a conversation with someone in the agency and 
I would say that the entertainment space is obviously becoming more ingrained in the tech space because you kind of have to. That's where everything's going. Um, and diversifying what it is that talent looks like because a lot of talent today is on YouTube and uh, they're bloggers or vloggers or they're, they're, it's just diversifying so much. So likewise, they might introduce us to, to, to someone or some technology or some company that we weren't aware of. So we're getting more uh, more involved in that space uh, and you know, it's always good to have those relationships there. And also, I mean, at these at these uh, trend school seminars, I know a really cool podcast that would be a great, you know, addition. Yeah, I've to, heard. Yeah, it's, uh, I'll, I'll send you the link. I know, I know people. So. <laughs> um, but, as, but I have a question. Like, as you're jumping into entertainment and tech, and you're also dealing with these clients that are, you know, they're having to shift the way they're doing business and that. And I love what you said about having them operate in the culture and not in the category. Um, but pretty much this, this Generation Z, they they kind of fly in the face of older values. They are consuming media the way they want to. They are a maker culture. They uh, use tech the way they want to. They're not following anybody's rules. And so how do you, how are you navigating that space in terms of what your findings are and then having to deal and translate to your clients in terms of like what they maybe need to shift to? In the entertainment space specifically? Yeah. Yeah, so... That's, again, a great, great question and one that we get pretty often because it does find the face of... Good job, Diana. <laughs> pat on the back for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, having consumers that are, I want what I want, when and where I want it, that are completely independent-minded, want to be collaborative, want to have a say in the process, it does fly in the face of what's been happening in entertainment for as long as we can remember, where creatives go into their space and come out with some fantastic product project or deliver, you know, final product and, um, then deliver it to the audience who's waiting with bated breath and loves it. And, you know, now that's not really the case anymore because obviously we have a lot more choice. Um, they want things more in real time going in to create a movie in a year is to speed it up, right? They don't understand why it takes so long to get the next installment of their favorite movie. So, um, you know, for us, how we talk to anyone in the entertainment industry is obviously, shifting their behavior to from the time a show goes into production, from the time a movie goes into production, it's inviting consumers into the process, hooking them from the beginning, giving them a look behind the scenes. And in any way that you're they're open to collaborating, that's going to obviously be much appreciated. Uh, now we're starting to see really good examples of how the entertainment space is starting to adapt to these new consumer habits and and their new mentality. I mean, look at something like the Veronica Mars movie. Are you familiar with that whole yeah. campaign? Oh, yeah. uh, you look at something like that where now they're creating that interest or that, uh, well, the vested interest from consumers who are actually putting down their hard earned money and telling their friends about it to get everyone on the bandwagon before something actually goes into production. Uh, and, you know, Spike Lee did something with that. So I think there's more now opportunity to say, you know, don't look at consumers as taking away from your creativity or taking away from the overall entertainment experience, find a way to bring them into the process and to collaborate with them. Cause that's really what they, what they want. They want to have a conversation. They want to have a dialogue. They don't want to feel like they're constantly getting a monologue and being talked at. They want to feel like they're part of what's happening. So that is like one of the biggest steps forward in the entertainment space, which is pretty much unheard of in the past and is a little bit scary, but, uh, you know, we think it's going to pay off in the long run by making them more vested 
vested consumers, we actually have a name for that one too, um, we call them VCs, the new venture consumer, uh, who really feels like they're exercising wallet activism. If I'm going to go see your movie or I'm going to spend an hour watching that show, then I want to feel like I'm part of it in some way. Those are ex- excellent terms. Hey, we like to come up with snappy phrases. <laughs> are you guys going to put out like a dictionary at the, you know, that would be a good idea. You put that out each year and all your, mm-hmm. all your sniglets. Um, so, uh, complete this phrase for me. Um, and it's relatively easy. Don't, no pressure. Uh, innovation to me is no pressure, right? No pressure. You got time. Don't worry. We can, we can, uh, edit the the lag if (laughs) if you're going to be thinking for, I'm going to go back to what I said before. I think innovation for me is thinking about consumer first, thinking in the culture and thinking outside of your category. That's great. Um, and then I don't know. Do you have any questions? I feel like I could talk to you forever, right? Like, because uh, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm like we like we we kind of touched on a whole bunch of stuff, and I want, I'm like, wow, my wheels are turning. So I I I mean, would you ever come back for a, a part two of this? Sure, I'd be happy to come back. I mean, for- it hasn't been that awful of an experience, has it? Has it, has it oh been okay? gosh, I mean, seriously, no. <laughs> it's been, no, it's been great. I'm happy to come back for a part two, and uh, yeah, I mean, for us. Everything is constantly evolving in our business as well. And gosh, we could probably talk next week and I'd have something completely new to chat about. So um, I think what's so interesting about what you guys are doing, though, is the new currency is data. I mean, that's where we're at now. I mean, it was salt then yep. gold then cash. Now it is data. And you guys are getting the data and you're analyzing it to a point to get people to understand where they need to move, where they need to shift. And right. I think that's... To me, it's something that people need to be aware of. The people, the your three, four listeners that will be happening on this show. <laughs> hey, hey, your guest, your guest co-host. Bye. There's six. We just got another one. <laughs> um, but I think just the, the the understanding. I mean, yeah. I mean, I do feel like sometimes maybe we're a little bit too youth obsessed. But the whole point is that youth still become a consumer all the way through, and so it is still understanding those consumer yeah, points, it's, those it's, data points. It's almost how, like how do you develop a you know a lifelong consumer? You know, mm-hmm. I remember like an old statistic was that women are you know typically more loyal to brands, right? And mm-hmm. and now that young women are growing up in an entirely like information you know oh, influx, yeah. you know, right. uh, like to no to no end. You know, will a will a twelve year old girl still grow up to, to be the same kind of consumer that her mom, you know, was or her grandmother was? You know, and and uh, you don't have to answer that because I know we can <laughs> we can go on and on. Um, uh, really quick, I mean, you just on a personal note, I mean, you sound super excited about this stuff, which is awesome. Um, why, like, why does this interest you? Why does this this subject matter interest you? Well, it interests me on a few different levels. I have, uh, when I was in school, I was a broadcast journalism major. So for me, it was always interesting for me to ask questions and to learn why people do certain things. So I just am curious by nature. Uh, But on a completely selfish side, uh, when I came to the intelligence group, full disclosure, I am part of Gen Y, which is the main group that we look into. And it was almost like being in a little bit of a like a therapy session in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you shed a lot of tears and talk about your mom the whole time? No, no tears, but sitting there and just like your mind starts turning because all of a sudden all these different pieces, all these things that seemed like you knew, but it just put it in a, such a different light that everything kind of made sense in a way. So 
it's interesting for me, obviously, to talk to brands all the time and see what's happening in different industries and provide them consumer insights and tailor that for what they're doing. But also for me, I've had serious discussions with my family. I, I get oftentimes told, even though I fall in Gen Y, that I'm a Gen X, really. Uh, and I have, a, I have a younger brother who is the epitome of a Gen Y. Like, to a T, if we wrote it down on paper, my brother would fit that. And I've actually had serious conversations with my family, you know, when there's a disagreement saying, well, if we look at it from a generational perspective, like putting it into context, and somehow it makes sense and things come out the other end like everything. <laughs> Uh, so from a purely selfish standpoint, I think it's just been such an interesting way for me personally to look at how I approach the world, how my peers are approaching the world, how my family is, and making sense of it because yeah. things are changing so rapidly. And now I have a team of people here and we're always having conversations about, well, what does that mean? Or where is that going? And how is that going to evolve? Yeah. And no, I feel like it's, it's all like perspective shift, you know, even uh, from a consulting standpoint or whatever, like you're giving people the information just so they, that they can shift their perspective enough to make a difference in their day-to-day operation. And that's to me, that's so important. Cause I feel like, you know, as also as marketers, you know, we're, we're, uh, bred to be translators you know right. you're translating yep. information you're translating brand messages you're translating audience behavior you're translate and you're translating it into most times really cool stuff you know uh-huh. um so so that's good i you know i thank you for again this is our, our third close but this is awesome um <laughs> yeah, really awesome. yeah thank you so much for joining us i don't know if you have any questions for me or diana you know i don't know if i can answer you're probably way smarter than me uh, <laughs> stop uh, no no uh, <laughs> I'm curious who else you talked to. Oh man, the list goes on and on. All two people. No, we. Uh, <laughs> you are our ninth guest. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to spend today, and I'm going to do one more. But um, we've talked to Ogilvy in the UK, uh, the, their innovation group. So um, they have a, a an innovation lab that a woman named Nicole Yershan runs. Uh, we've talked to another partner at Ogilvy who just launched their Impact Studio, where they look at trends and you know and bring in people who are living them. So they did a you know a recent event with. Uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Um, Lady Gaga's manager, Troy Carter, uh, Tony Shea, and uh, who just bought up 15 blocks in Las Vegas. Three spent 350 million bucks to redevelop it. He even bought uh, City Hall, which was like crazy. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, and that ranges from the there's the CEO of Virgin Galactic who we talked to uh, last week, and oh wow, and That's you know, fascinating. Yeah, to look at a brand that goes from you know, <laughs> music. To mobile devices, to airplanes, to now like they're leaving the planet. Um, so it, it's a it's a broad scope of individuals we like to talk to and and really get some of the good thinking out because I think even in your case, right, like a lot of brands make assumptions. You're like, mm-hmm. ah, kids love skateboarding. Why don't we do skateboarding through the you know through a mall? That'll get them in here. You're like, no, not <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's that's totally the wrong move. And and I don't think I don't think a lot of you know organizations out there realize organizations like yours exist to the extent that they you know to to the depths by which you you guys have dug into the mind and the behavior and the day-to-day life of a consumer is really amazing and and eye-opening I mean, it's interesting that I've been looking at, like, for instance, when you're talking about categories, looking at the toy categories, going back to my days of investment banking and realizing that, like, for instance, the boy toy category has gone down by double digits. I'm a every boy toy. Single, 
I know you are, but you're going up. <laughs> the other toys are going down every year, double digits. And yet the girl category is going up. And yet there are so many companies that refuse to understand that they need to stop making toys that are gender specific, i.e. pink or purple. And, oh my. and trying to get them to make that shift, and they just don't see it because they're still in the land of the 50s because of, you know, the way they're running their companies. And so I think to have you guys out there showing that, no, you need to make this shift or else, you know, let's look at the category. The category is going down. Do you want to remain in the category or do you want your product to continue on the shelves? Absolutely. It's so funny. When we did our Gen Z report focusing on under 17-year-olds, we did a whole macro that focused on gender neutrality. And it seemed really, uh, I don't know, rebellious to some of our clients who are just focused on one gender or the other to tell them, hey, guys, you need to start thinking about this more neutral, neutral space and what that what the implications are going to be. Not, not necessarily today, but like right. look five years from now. What could you be doing uh, to and even if you stay a girl, quote unquote, a girl brand, do, does everything in there have to be pink? You know that kind of thing, and it's scary. But they have to they have to understand it. And there are so many clients that we talk to that they are never talking to their consumer, the one that they're trying to create product or marketing or strategy around. And so it, it's incredibly surprising, really. But it's just the reality that people are so caught up in their day to day that bringing that consumer perspective, which should be part of the first step in anything, always gets added as an afterthought. And so it is really our goal to, to bring the consumer to the table and help translate it because it's really tricky for a lot of, a lot of clients to do that. And for your clients, are you also uh, giving them action points or making recommendations for what they should shift to, or you just present the information to them and say, have at it? What's your, where do you guys stand? Good luck, guys. <laughs> it's much, it's much, much more uh, strategy and implications and things that they can actually put action to. Uh, I think in the past, probably oh, more than five years ago, I would say, it was much more okay, here's the report, have fun. We would come in and do presentations and help translate, but the, the emphasis was far more on the information itself. Uh, so we've, we've shifted our thinking much more into the space of, we're going to provide you with what's happening, but we want to go beyond that and provide you with why, and then go even beyond why and say, this is what it means for you. So as I said, being senior director of strategy, what my work entails is going into clients and presenting our content and pointing to the relevant pieces of research and our reports, but then saying, okay, now looking at that through the filter of what's happening in your retail space or what's happening in the music industry or what's happening in CPG or the gaming space, this is what it means for you today and here's long term. So we provide a lot of implications and recommendations, but uh, it also depends on the client and what they want and what they need because some are perfectly happy saying, okay, we'll take the report and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you in a year when we want to renew or if we have any questions. And we have others that we are on the phone with on a daily basis. So it just definitely depends on the client. That's great. Uh, Our, I, my, my, I'm telling you, my wheels are like yeah. on fire. <laughs> and this probably happens to you all the time, right? Like when you're talking to people about this, they're like, ooh, and what else? Okay. Well, I and I can talk for days. I <laughs> webinars 
for a full day that myself and a colleague are running. So I'm used to talking a lot. So you just have to tell me when to stop. No, no. Well, Sean, our trusty producer just showed up and uh, he's got his finger hovering over the uh, the the record the stop record button. So um, so what we'll do is I, I definitely want to like bring you back for a part two uh, okay. of this and just really, you know, um, tr- just get more of this stuff out. I think it's awesome and, and super important. So, again, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so, everybody, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush. Thank you, um, Allison, for joining us, and Diana, my guest co host, for rocking the mic. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Thanks. Bye. If you like listening to comedy, Try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger, Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.